to episode 14. I'm your host, Dan Steers, and guess who's back? Guess who's back? Back again. Jim Hagen's back. Hello, friend. Guess who's back? 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 Welcome back to the Double Dan podcast. I'm your host in the studio, Kim Hagen, and with me I have Daniel Steers. Welcome along, Daniel. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Kim. I'm uh, really excited to be in here with you. It's been a while. Look, it's a treat to have you, mate. You know, I don't need to keep chatting to you on small talk. We'll just get straight into it. I'm going to hit – no, you can take charge. (laughs) I've got the notes, remember. So we're taking a little break, Kim, from the Double Dan Horsemanship timeline, and we're going to do an interview. And the interview is with my very first mentor, Pete Weber from Western Australia. I not only did a horsemanship apprenticeship with Pete, but I also did a farrier apprenticeship as well. So it's going to be pretty exciting to get him on the line as almost the first, um, I guess, interview we've done. We did we did a Josh Gibson one uh, a little while ago, but this is, I guess, one of the first horsemen we're going to get on here. Pete Weber would be probably better known to our West Australian audience. If you don't know of Pete, I'll share his Facebook page. I'll give him a quick little bio now. Yeah, I was going to say intro. Yep, and then we'll get him on the line, all right? So what I've, what I've got from Pete, and this isn't his own bio, this is just what I could sort of drum up pretty quickly. You want to be careful. You want to be nice. I know, because I'm a bit worried about <laughs> the information old Pete's going to be able to share about me. Of little young scallywag steers. Well, proper, because I'm talking about like I guess for me 15, I started oh, going Oh, God, Pete. you'd have been a lost soul. Yeah, so 21 years, yeah. You'd have been a shit Proper little shit. Well, we're going to find out because I don't reckon Pete's going to say that. I reckon I'll, I'll tell you this. No, one I story. reckon you would have been committed to him, but I reckon in terms of when you left school and stuff. No, I was I was really good. I, I sort of I don't want to say turn the corner because I wasn't the um, greatest prior to that. But once I found horses, I was sort of pretty pretty good. But um, and Pete only learned of some of the stuff afterwards. He um he took me on as a work experience kid first. Yeah, they get a report card. I don't know if you've had work experience kids with you. It's your vet yeah. stuff. It's ridiculous these days yeah so it was a two uh, and it was one-sided and it was just like all these things that he had to report on and it was whatever like not satisfactory yeah satisfactory average above average and like it was excellent outstanding so he ticked all the outstanding or excellence yeah for all of it dead wrote, giveaway wrote <laughs> notes wrote notes on every piece next to it even wrote on the bottom pto oh wow then he just wrote, wrote notes on how good I was. Have you still got it? Well, I kept it for <laughs> ages. That's why I know because it was like, yeah, the teachers gave it back to me. I'm like, you might want to keep this. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I had it in sort of my keep safes in WA. But, of course, since we moved here, it didn't didn't come across the Nullarbor. So it'd be in a box probably somewhere oh, wow. in some, one of my family members' garages. <laughs> so, but, yeah, for, for Pete and I, we, we'd certainly, you know, I guess so get it off. These days, do you appraise yourself as your own boss? You just sit there and do a few... Report cards. I could, every now I, and could, again. I could never do one as good. I don't think I've ever had a report card almost. Well, I did. I sort of I was supposed to finish school that year, but so it was slightly better than the school reports. Well, the, well, the <laughs> yeah, the funny, the funny thing is, 
we had to do our week and then you had to do a day every week. Yep. And and I was going there so much. I was even going to work experience on the school holidays. And right at the end of the year, my school was just like, well, look, you're going to take an apprenticeship. Why don't you just go there all the time? So yeah. I pretty much finished my year um, starting an apprenticeship, but on yeah. work experience with Pete. Yeah, cool. So the quick little buyer we got before we get him online is, for those that don't know, he has shown horses in everything from rodeo, camp draft, cutting, western showing, stock horse showing, winning many titles across all disciplines. Uh, Pete also trained, and I, and I forget the name, but we're going to ask him when we get him on a quarter or stallion that won in halter, pleasure, reining, and cutting. Yeah, wow. The one horse. Yeah. So that was- so this Genuine all-rounder. Yeah, and how, how I guess, all-round Pete is as well. He's also started horses for the public for many years, as well as starting heaps of thoroughbreds for the racing deal. He's an accomplished horseman, and he's also a master farrier. He taught farrier at Muras College as well with his dad. His dad was a really good farrier, and yep. and the students there is like an agricultural college. So, yeah, they'll do, do a course on farrowing and things like that. I don't know if he actually had any other apprentices other than me, so we've got a few questions to ask him. <laughs> To find out what the that's about. The end of the line. <laughs> well, I was maybe at the start, but it's really funny. We're going to talk once we get him on, but um, for me, one of the things for, for Pete was that he was like the funniest adult that I'd ever met because up until then, like you got to think when you're 13, 14, all the adults that I knew were teachers, parents, you know, parents, friends, uh, friends of parents, whatever, um, coaches, all that sort of stuff. Everyone was always serious. And when I went and did that uh, work experience with Pete, he was like loose as and just funny. And I just remember laughing <laughs> and laughing. But then now, in hindsight, I was like doing the maths. I was like, Pete's probably was my age that I am now. <laughs> and, and I don't want to think of myself as like a serious adult, right? And I was like thinking that Pete was like really old, serious adult, but he was funny. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, that's pretty young. But of course, when you're 14, 15, now I've realized what 14, 15 year olds think of me <laughs> and uh and how old they must think we are because you're in the same realm i know you're a little older well, your than me. beard doesn't help i know it's getting pretty <laughs> out of control like gandalf there. over there i don't know whether you know i had a haircut too and i got a beard trimmer i said to him i can like, tell you trimmed it up a little bit and i told him i said like, we need to attack this i said i don't want it gone because yeah. yeah. it's it's Covering that flimsy chin we've already <laughs> spoke about <laughs> that we've already mentioned on this podcast before. Still needs work. I but I do. We can we can tone it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So there's a little shout out for um, Jane O'Dell because I I wore the. Did you see the post that I put on their Facebook? Yeah. Where I had their cap and I took a photo and they were, yeah. everyone was giving it to me yeah. with the great yeah. beard. But I was yeah. like, well, I'm not going to the because I went to the pub for lunch. I was going to have a beer. I'm like, I'm not going to go have a beer and pub with my own cap on. I'll put theirs on. Yeah, no. <laughs> so if anyone asks me, they'll say, who are you? And I'll say, oh, Bruce O'Dell. And do they nod knowingly? They kind of go, oh, yeah, Bruce. Oh, yeah. yeah, there he is again coming yeah, in for a bit of a day exactly. drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Horses must be tough over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sporting his own cap. But no, I don't think I can get away with it. my own local pub. All right, mate, should we get Pete on? Let's do it. Okay, so that was a swing and a miss. We tried to get uh, Pete on the phone after I, I said we're going to get straight into it. The big Grant Daniel. And then, uh, oh, he just sent me a text message, but he, we couldn't get him on the phone. So we'll try him again in a moment. But before we do that, maybe we will do one of the Ash Barnett conversation starters. I'm good. I'm flexible either way. Yeah, let's do it. So I reckon you'll like this one. It's out there again. <laughs> Surprise me. Yeah. 
If all humans had to have a tail, what type of tail would you choose? Do you think it would be a hinder or a attribute is what she's got. So like examples, a dog tail, a cow yeah, tail, yeah. a monkey, yeah. a possum, scorpion. What colour hair length, that sort of stuff is what she's put in the text. Um, I think you'd want a prehensile tail. What's prehensile mean? Like a grasps thing. Oh. Like a monkey tail. You'd want you want length there. Like not necessarily, you know, we talked about my my fear of heights, um, especially off zip lines. And really, like I wouldn't be using it so much for climbing, but you'd use it for all sorts of things. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because when I first read it, I was thinking like a kangaroo tail. I'd like to be sort of bouncing around a bit. Mm. But then riding a horse, where are you going to put that thing? But your tail, you could just You'd go it. fast. You'd be flogging your horse on the backside the whole time. <laughs> you would <laughs> It'd be well, that, unrelenting every step. Well, like what you said, I mean, you've got a handy. You have a prehensile tail, big, long, like a. Um, but you like want to a be a spider monkey long that's long enough that you can curl that sucker up and it's thin. So you can put it down your pants. Well, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I, can, I can be discreet about it. But um, yeah, long enough that you've you got an extra hand or a leg almost, even if you want. Yes, yeah, that makes sense. Because with, with the long reining, I tell you what, this could come in real handy because. Absolutely. We, when we do the long reining, I was always, everybody. We just need one extra hand. It's a lot like surgery. Just to go, hey, pass when me that. When you're doing and surgery, you're, t- you're trying to reach. You grab a couple of things and you go, oh, oh, I can't. Can't let those go. Yeah, and plus. You it's like doing a carving. Same thing. Carving, you need a third hand. You get your hands in and you start moving a leg and you put the other hand in, you move that there. And it's like, oh, you've come, only I had a third hand. You've come up gold again. And I'm, I'm, I've got the prehensile tail and it's thin and it's long. It just slips in, puts the rope over the calf's legs. Job's done. Just like even passing yourself a beer, like your hands are oh, yeah. full. Yeah. You want a beer, Stairs? See the fridge three metres away? No problems. It's <laughs> <laughs> that long. Yours is gonna, yeah, yeah. Yours um, is going to grow. It's going to be... Well, it's like a spider monkey. You know, they're, they're, they're probably in relation to their body. My tail would be three metres long. But you still reckon you can wrap that sucker up and put oh, yeah. it down your pants and ride? Absolutely. Or wrap it around yourself. Imagine even... If it's I would a, use it as a seat belt. Let's go <laughs> say a stock a, whip. A bucking horse. You'd be <laughs> just like... I'm gonna You've go. got nothing. Just flank it up. Just wrap Straight it around, around the flank, oh around my the my belly. My. We're attached. Unless it throws itself to the ground, I'm good. Well, I, can, I certainly can't trump that. See, crocodile tail was another one that could be useful. Yeah, it would be powerful, but you'd want to be a, a swimmer. Yeah, oh, okay. See, if, again. see, if you're a swimmer, you could catch, like you could be swimming I think and I'd catching pref- fish. Yeah, I'd prefer. Throw away the I'd fishing pref- lines. You wouldn't I'd prefer it. to have the kangaroo tail and be just quicker on land. But what are you going to, yeah, but then you need kangaroo legs. You can't just. No, you wouldn't. Get a kangaroo tail only balances them and they're not jumping off their tail. Then they push off it? No. <laughs> it just touches the ground. Like it doesn't even take much weight. It's why does it say big and muscly? It balances them. Oh, there you go. When folks. they fight, they they lean back on it. Yeah, I thought it sort of helped push them along. No, it balances their legs and make him go fast. <laughs> All right, I've just got a text through. He's here. Let's get him on. All right. But but what do you, you think kangaroos run on their no, tail? No, sorry. <laughs> But it was—I didn't mean run on their tail. I mean push off on their tail. But yeah, by no. the way, you did trumpet. You won. Okay, cool. That was, Thanks. That was awesome. Let's get him on. Let's get him on the line. All right, Kim. We've got Pete Weber on the line. You there, Pete? Yep. I'll, I'll have to introduce you. This is Kim Hagen on the other line. Say g'day, Kim. G'day, Kim. Hey, Pete. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. That's the way. What's it like over there in the west? What's the weather like? Uh, mate, we're doing uh, pretty well. Nice and sunny. Bit of wind up here in Geraldton, which is pretty typical of Geraldton. <laughs> Particularly this time of year, wouldn't it be? Yeah, mate. Uh, we pretty much get it from, um, gosh, I think around mid-September right through January, February. It blows a gale pretty well. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, Pete. How many horses? <laughs> how many horses did you ride today? Uh, about six. That's six. 
So what, Six what, more than I did. What did you do after Smoko? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that good. What about lunchtime? What about lunchtime? Six, six should have got you through to lunch and then you've had an easy afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've given you a big wrap yeah. off the, off the air. We've been already doing the podcast, and I uh, he's been talking you up a storm, mate. I've been talking you. Up. Oh, oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Not too much, I hope, because I'll fall pretty hard. <laughs> no, nah, you're you're going to be all over it. So, for our listeners, I want to I want to start from the start, if that makes sense. Tell us a little bit about yourself, all the way back from where you were born, and a little bit about your parents. Um, we're pretty much born and bred. Sort of up in the Kimberley region, um, out on a station called Kalyuta in the '53, uh, and uh, Dad sort of managed stations up that way for a good number of years. And um, left that country sort of, I think I was about 12 years old, and uh, headed down south here, and been there ever since, and around horses pretty much all my life, and um, kind of went out on my own. Uh, I think it was around about the '90s. And yeah, got into a bit of um, horse psychology, I guess you'd call it, looking at it from another angle, from the horse's point of view, and um, went on from there to sort of develop our own program and that. Um, Hang on, Pete, I'm going to stop you because you've just like skipped like so much ground. This is like, well, I was born and you know, well, then I pretty much just left, much home, left home. And that, no, we've got some stuff because that's why I said a little bit about your, your mum and dad because they are characters, both your mum and both your dad. And pretty, and pretty iconic, um, you know. Your dad's, you know, again in the horse industry, a big name in Western Australia, and um, and your mum. Well, I'm still scared of your mum. I mean, I wash my ears. Every, <laughs> I wash my goddamn ears every day. She, she, I got out of there at the shower. There, she'd she'd whip me around there and have a look behind my ears and say, "You didn't wash." You know, she'd, she'd give it to me. So backhand. <laughs> Yeah, she's pretty, pretty big on that sort of stuff. She still yeah. asks me if I see her now. Like, I've seen her every, like, five years. I see her every five years. And she'll still ask me if yeah. my ears are clean. Uh, yeah, yeah, mate. Ask you if you made yeah. your bed. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I bought it. Yeah. Oh, nice. Sorry. Sorry. Day Age joke. old. Uh, yeah. Weber would be loving that joke, by the way. So, so then, again, going to your parents and you – you're being brought up in the Kimberleys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Th- since you're not gonna give us the full story, I want to hear two at least stories from your Kimberley days. Oh, oh hell, oh geez. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess probably um, I was sort of in a saddle by the time I was four and out to stock camp with the old man and that. And uh, oh, I can certainly remember by the time I was turned six to go to school and everything. I went to school, school of the air. Of course, I went to school of the air, kicking and screaming and probably swearing a fair bit too, being the kid that I was. I, Pretty good on the mouthward language, but never inside the house sort of thing. But uh, the old man informed me I was a pretty pretty good on the tongue at even six years of age. <laughs> didn't like didn't like school too much, <laughs> and uh, every opportunity I got, I'd be out in the stock camp with dad. And um, uh, so one particular incident there, we were at Ord River Station and bringing in a big mob of cattle. Going across the Ord River, uh, there was a big cutaway there. There was only one section they could get across, and I was on this rather unsavory old horse, Dodo, who was a good old fellow, really, I suppose, but he didn't like a roll wherever he took a chance. And Dad was on a buck jumping, sort of a grey thing and that, and I said to the old man, I was about six, and I said, make sure you watch me, Dad, because, you know, this bugger might roll because we're bringing up the tail and going up there. Her cattle were all virtually across. So it was our turn to go across there. And anyway, good old Dodo, he decided to go down and... <laughs> The old boy sort of tried to pluck me out of the saddle before I got drowned. And the old grey horse started getting stuck into a buck like a mongrel. So the old boy threw me, but he threw me out in the middle of the river. 
Altså, og det spiller du Lost me good hat, by the way. That, that went down the river. <laughs> That's what chased you off the most. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when one of the ringers up on the bank jumped his horse off and saved me because Dad sort of disappeared down the river with this thing, giving it to him like Bogley Barker. And uh, anyway, the old man sort of got turned and come back and Ray had fucked me out of the water with one of the ringers. I sort of give the old man a mouthful. You just about flipping drown me, you silly old fool. <laughs> and you've lost my good hat. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty annoyed at it, but, uh, yeah. Was silly old fool the term you used? Oh, not really. It was probably a little more, perhaps, than that. Like I said, I was pretty good on the tongue at that age. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought... I, I remember I let fly with a rash amount of language at my mother one day. And, um, yeah, I ended up flying under the house there to get away from the old man's um, repercussions and that. And remember apologising to him and saying I was sorry for him. He said, don't be sorry for me, mate. Get out of here and take the medicine. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's where my tongue got me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it yeah. must have worked because you're pretty damn polite now. But... Um... <laughs> But I got one. I got another story. I reckon you'll be able to tell for us too. There was a story. I don't know how old you were, but your dad put you on a breaker and it kept throwing you off, or at least some young horse. And, you, and, yeah. and your dad kept putting it, putting you back on. Can you tell us that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was probably one of the old man's first introduction to a serious amount of uh, feed and stuff. And he started feeding corn, and that was like sticking <laughs> a nitrous in a motor car sort of thing. And this little horse. Took to it pretty badly. Good safety, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he downed me um, a couple of times. And Dad kept putting me back on, and um, this was at a women pony club kind of a deal. And um, I was sort of supporting a bit of a nicely swollen elbow and that. So he gave me a bit of a break for an hour or two, and then chucked me up again. And I got downed a couple more times. I ran out of air on one of those occasions, so I thought I was going to drop dead. I was probably about <laughs> ten, <laughs> and. Uh, Anyway, we got home and the old boy said, well, you needn't think that's all over. You're going to be getting on that son of a gun for the next week or so. So <laughs> I was really looking forward to that. Did you say that as he was kind of taking another dipper of corn out? or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he does confess now that he said that was probably the, the wrong sort of feed to feed that horse, but I still don't. Not sorry, I kept putting you back up there, boy. You had to get over it, you know. Did, didn't you, <laughs> didn't your mum at one point tell him if if you were gonna if he put you on that horse again, she was gonna take, yeah. she was gonna yeah, that was about half, yeah, that, that was about halfway through the week you were gonna put me on every day, so yeah, <laughs> She's I, like I, I got mum to think, yeah, they breed him tough yeah, out west. Yeah. That's why I just wanted to do a little <laughs> little bit of an intro to so get you guys and the listeners to to understand where, <laughs> where Pete's come from, so. <laughs> you, you've done this. Yeah. You've done the station life, and then you moved down south. Was that so with with your family at that point? Like it was, yeah, yeah. We've pretty much come down this way. I was about twelve, I guess, and uh, we based ourselves in Northern. And uh, wasn't too long, but my father basically uh, ran uh, worked at Mirrors College with the equine stud management course there, and that ran for about um, eighteen years there. So. I've Basically, kind of did the rest of my growing up in northern area through there, which was um, pretty hot and blinking summer and darn right cold because we'd never really experienced that sort of cold. So she was plenty warm enough in northern, but then when the cold hit, we used to get those black ices there. And my golly, that rattled rattled all our cages for a while because literally we just born up in the, you know, been up in the Kimberleys. It's 
winded up there, it's not that cold, and it's pretty humid, but um, by God, the, the cold got to us, and uh, the old man sort of um, enjoyed what he was doing there for about 18 years, and the they decided to close that all down um, and they started up a farrier school um, pretty much directly after the equine soda management course had finished up and they brought a chap out from the United States, Scott Simpson, who was probably the leading, um, I guess you'd call it clinician or teacher at that time. It was a 16-week course and they had 14 applicants and uh, I went through that one and um, basically we'd finished 16 weeks and we went out but everyone there went out on their own and started shoeing horses. Some guys are pretty fortunate. They got to go and park up with some senior farriers. Um, around that time, uh, they were starting to kick off things like clinics and that for people to learn more from. So uh, I went along to those. We had great old guys like Courtney Walsh and that here in Western Australia that were giving away you know that sort of information. Um, so not the and, West Indian learned... fast bowler. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> not that bowler. I thought, wow, he can shoe horses too. He's a champion. <laughs> He probably shoe them, shoe them out the bloody gate. Or 500 so. test <laughs> wickets and can shoe a bloody thoroughbred in 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sort of piddled around there for a little while uh, in the northern area, um, working on and off a bit with Dad with the horse side of it, breaking in one thing or another. But um, I sort of wanted to branch out on my own. Uh, that was a pretty reputable follower you know young blokes man young blokes kind of want their own own identity so uh, I kind of you know pulled up stumps and pitched up camp my wife and I at that time decided to shift down to to Bunbury and um, start up a business down there uh, shoeing horses for the first couple of years and then um, got out of the horse side of it just being a hobby for myself and started doing it for the public and yeah, got into the psychology side of it, saw old Pat Pirelli's system and um, kind of had a look at that and hung around that for a little Yes, well, I was going to say, I was going to back you up because, again, you got, you're getting into fast forward. You're, getting, you're trying to get to the end of this podcast before it even started. <laughs> I've so never pump, been interviewed before. <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit, Pete. It's all about you, mate. For the next hour, it's all about you. So just <laughs> just take it take it all in and stop and stop being bashful. I can tell you being bashful. He was done in seven minutes if you hadn't if, interrupted. No, I know. He would have been done. <laughs> I would have been too. It would have been yeah, like, all right, over. it's not an ad commercial. This is the real deal, right? You're the feature. So, yeah, so I feel like you're being pretty bashful and you're, you're going through it in fast forward. Like, so you moved away from your dad. You got to you got to give the listeners something. I'm guessing when you were reading between the lines, it was like you wanted to step out from from his shadow a bit. Is that right? Pretty much. And you guys yeah, probably yeah, weren't getting right. along at the at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah, that's about the gist of it. Yeah, yeah. The usual father son sort of guess, scenario and drama. So, uh, yeah, I just needed to help out from under that shadow and do my own thing. I guess. So. So when did you – and um, you, you mentioned Steph, so for, again for the listeners, that's Pete's wife, Steph Weber. So what age are we talking about? When did you meet Steph? I met Steph when I was uh, 19 and, um, uh, yeah, pretty much um, it was a done deal there and uh, had our first daughter in 86. So I uh, met Steph around about uh, 83, I guess it was, 84, and had our first girl uh, in 86. And uh, as I say, we were just kind of doing – Showing the horses, I had part, just had the horses as a hobby, kind of fiddling around with them, kind of learned doing with horses what I'd sort of learned from dad and a couple of old horses over the years, but was looking for a little bit something different to come from a different angle. Because basically, breaking in horses for the old man, we, you know, some of those things were the old fashioned way and that. And, um, 
I probably just dwelled into a bit of the Jeffries method at the time, um, the advance and retreat, and kind of liked it, but um, got sprung by the old man once, and that didn't go too well. <laughs> <laughs> so he, I thought, he didn't yeah, like new methods? No, no, he wasn't overly keen on the new methods. So so what what were the kind of horses you were breaking in? What were they for? Everything, mate. Uh, race horses, um, probably predominantly race horses, uh, 60% of them, and um, the rest were just sort of hacks, pleasure horses for people. Yep. Um, yeah, and I just, yeah, just they weren't, weren't too happy about the Jeffries method, so it was about that time um, Steph and I decided to, to move on and we basically went down to Bunbury and got rolling down there. So so the, the, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, was Steph a horse trainer and horse rider as well? No, Steph, Steph had been around horses a little bit with her sisters and that, and um, she loved them to bits. Um had a hot ass, I tell you. I mean, in the Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I did not think you were going there. I did not. I was thinking the other one. <laughs> so she had well, both. You saying she, probably, you, she had yeah, both? She had, yeah, had it both ways, really. I suppose. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She might have to. Edit that from the list of four Not a chance, buddy. Not a chance. Uh, That's going to be my Facebook promo clip that I'm going to just use (laughs) on repeat. Oh, Jesus, I just buried myself in my proper good. It was only the fact you used uh, the past tense that put you in trouble, mate. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Yeah, she really enjoyed them kind of thing. I remember one time we went out and I had a little breaker and she was on my old horse. We were just sort of heading out over the, the property of Mirrors College and damn, this old horse was just wound up with step on him going sideways and backwards. The bloody breaker was as quiet as a church mouse. So I said, well, you better switch over to this one. So I got on the old fella and next thing you know, the breaker was going sideways <laughs> and backwards. <laughs> uh, but things changed a hell of a lot since then. So. We, we both kind of got into the psychology side of it and um, and uh, she had a real good good time with it. Old mare we, we got, or probably within about two years of being in Bunbury, maybe three, and guy there, Harry O'Brien, was a really great endurance rider. Oh, yeah. Probably the best, best, yeah. best in the state, Dan. You'd know him really well. I know Harry. Remember him well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, <laughs> and we got an old mare from him. Old paint there, and uh, she was a pretty bad bolter and all, so got it for Steph, and poor Steph had to go through a bunch trying to fix her up, and um, I remember one particular day, she, because old lady could just kind of grab the bit with her teeth, and that was it, she was off, and I said, well, just put, peel the bridle off and use the stick there to just bump her nose into the fence, and usual husband and wife thing, it didn't sort of go down too well, and <laughs> it was never going to work, and fucking me dead, it worked, sort of thing. <laughs> I love I love the theory there, and, and listeners, please don't try this at home. If your horse is going to pull on the bit, the best thing you can do is just take it off. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they can't, what can they pull against if there is no bridle? Exactly. And we're not talking about riding in a halter either, again, listeners. We're talking about nothing. He just When he says a stick, he's, he's meaning a stick to steer. So, again, no wonder there was a slight argument. Don't be bashful, kids. Get amongst it. At yeah. best, you well, want a saddle. Yeah. Well, she did have the saddle, yeah. Yeah, so it was a bit spoiled, really, wasn't she? Like, quite frankly, take oh, that off her too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, a couple of times there, I almost wore the stick myself. So I bet, I bet you did. She said it actually works better on husbands and horses. So I know. Yeah, obviously, knowing Steffi well, I know. Um, I could only imagine what sort of words were getting spoken <laughs> to you. I, I, I'm going to ask another question. 
about that time, and and this has only just popped up. So when you're shoeing horses in Bunbury, when um, you'd when you moved down there, what 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 were the fees? What were you charging for a shoeing? Um, back in those days, <clears throat> uh, do you remember? We were sitting around about uh, yeah, pretty much around about six dollars a shoeing job and um, twenty five dollars a trim. And at that time, that's uh, bloody good money. About, but that must have been when you yeah, very first started. That's what you were. Well, when I first started coming out of shoeing uh, in 82, we were basically charging around about, um, gosh, it was only $30 a shoeing job then and $10 a trim. But by the time we'd hit Bunbury, which is about 1989, 90, I think it was, um, I'd sort of got our prices up to around that figure, $60 a shoeing and, and 25 a trim. And, and, and then, too, we didn't really have the availability to um, a, a network and quality of shoes that we, we have nowadays. So I'd pretty much get up around 4 o'clock in the morning and belt out a few sets of handmade shoes uh, before I head off around 7 o'clock. And, um, I pretty much shoe quite a few of the horses in the, the handmade shoes that we had. That's a lot like a lot steers these days. He'd probably up, what, what are you up at, 4.30? I'll just straight. I come back for bending around the straight it, irons. I come. It, I come back to the house for a cup of tea at about four thirty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that Dan we were talking about? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a different steers. <laughs> I, I don't even remember any time like that when he was with us. <laughs> we'll get to that. I, I think. I think it was a Jimmy bar and a, and a bucket of water there in the early. <laughs> getting out of bed before seven. <laughs> He did like his sleep. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely did like my sleep. And before we get to me, because at this point Pete hasn't met me, so yeah. I'll, I'll hold myself out of it. I want you to tell us, I, I talked a little bit um, in, in your intro, which you'll have to listen back to about, um, I guess, you know, yourself and, and particularly one horse, which I couldn't remember his name. I reckon I've got it now. Is it Chester? Is that the quarter horse stallion that you had? Yeah, he was the first little fella, uh, quarter horse Cole, I decided to buy from a guy up in Collie. Um, and he was a, a little um, purebred quarter horse guy by a stallion called Spinoff, who goes back to Spinifex, and I'm not damn side of I'll be saying. And um, he was probably realistically my first, well, he was my first Colt, and, and my first attempt sort of outside of what I knew from my father and all, what I'd seen a little bit of the P and H system, and I watched uh, a guy by the name of Brian Cramp, who's quite big still over here in Western Australia, and he's a great horseman, great trainer, old Brian, still going. Um, and I was fortunate enough to hang around Brian a little bit. He was um, very good to let me tag along and sort of watch the Western industry that I decided to delve into. It was pretty much camp drafters and stock horse type stuff up until that point and um, as I say Brian was very very good to let me tag along um, and I learnt quite a bit off him and then saw some of the PNH stuff and started dwelling into that with a little way and he was a great little horse he taught us a heck of a lot and um, we, we showed him Steph and I for I think it was about four years he was junior state reigning champion and did just all around back in those days too, it wasn't as specialised as it is today in the quarter horse industry. So you one horse would go out and do your trail class, Western Pleasure and uh, Raining. I never got into that hunter under saddle because of the image of me and a pair of frog legs just done like scary. <laughs> so I, I never dwelled in that one. So, <laughs> um, so that one little horse just did a lot. And, and everyone was in the same boat in that era. You know, they had, we had the marshals, Gary and Dawn, had a very... Um, 
very successful trainers over here and Dawn is still over there on the East Coast. And so it was very, very big there in those days. And uh, as I say, one horse, you did quite a lot. They did English, trail, pleasure, and a bit of rain and that sort of stuff. Um, and it was really good. It was really great times. And uh, it was very big over here, which was really good uh, for us in the West. You even showed yeah, him uh, in the cutting, didn't you, as well? Yeah, we did down the track. I got involved with a chap by the name of John Lowry, and um, John helped us out quite extensively uh, how to train a cutting horse because uh, I had no idea myself and the lonely and old mare, um, old Palomino mare, old Hollywood, and um, she carried me through for a full season there cutting and, um, and uh, showed me the way in that in that respect, how to fit one anyway. Um, I was about as angry as an Australian motorbike on my first attempt to put one together, but um, little Chester sort of looked out for me pretty well all the way through that, and um, he sighted a couple of really lovely little foals, but um, in hindsight, he, he probably wasn't stud material, that's for sure, but he certainly gave us the start that we were looking for. He was a lovely-minded little bloke. I was going to say, temperament-wise, he certainly sounds like he was. He, he was. He was, a, he was an absolute little gentleman, and um, as I say, he pretty much looked after us in that respect. I mean, to do that much with him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I think that's interesting, though. I think these days, like you say, things are so... Um, discipline orientated and you find a lot of i see a lot of horses bred these days that i think you know what if they fail at camp drafting or what if they fail at raining they're so kind of top end they're high strung they're performance athletes that if they fail at that then they're not going to be the kid's pony you can't kind of sell them down the line and go okay well it'll just be a pony club horse that's you know middle of the road these days i I don't think you see many of those all-round horses being bred on the whole. You, you see them every now and again, obviously. Yeah, but People are going The other them, thing is, is they don't ride, we don't ride them like – I was going to say that to Pete now, like how much he would have had to have ridden that horse and in oh, all absolutely. different circumstances yeah. Where, yeah. where we're not yeah. – you know, um, Piers' granddad, he, he talks about one of the horses they took to Perth Royal one, you know, like 200 ribbons in one show. You know, she went in literally mm. everything and yeah. he probably bloody rode the horse to the show. Yeah. You know, like you just, it's just the horses were just ridden so much more, weren't they, Pete? They were, they absolutely were. Um, uh, it, it, it's a, not a truer statement, fellas. It's, um, it's a bit of a shame it's become so specialised because, yes, what do you do with that individual from there on? Um, and uh, here's the other thing with those specialised horses, uh, they do tend to be in an arena or they're. they're, they're showing life and, and quite often the scenario is that if someone does want to go out and ride them outside of that, uh, we get it quite a lot over here in the West that um, those poor old horses are pretty starstruck when they get out of that arena and, and we've had some problematic horses supposedly sent to us because they've just blown a fuse once they've got out of the arena and that simple fact that they just haven't been rode a lot and it's something I've sort of hung on to throughout the years of working with our horses that um, realistically, and whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know, but I like to sort of put a heck of a foundation on our horses. So my philosophy basically is I'd like them to be a workhorse first and then then we'll work towards the show side of it. So by the time they hit a show, um, they've hit probably around 300, 350 hours uh, with a saddle on their back. So they're pretty broke. They'll, they'll tie up, go to sleep. And when you go to a show or wherever you go, they're pretty broke. They don't worry too much about too much. And if we do sell them on, um, 
Jay Bloggs or Luke Yarker Hooks down the road can just throw a leg over them and ride them out down the paddock. They're not sort of too starstruck about being out in the open or near them on the trees. So, yeah. Nice. That's one thing I can vouch for is Pete does ride his horses. And another, you used to have a lot of sayings, and one you certainly used to say a lot was horses uh, that we probably used to deal with were certainly overfed and underworked. I think you would have said mm. that. <coughs> Many times a day, you're yeah. right, mate. You've got a bit of coronavirus over Sorry, there. Yeah. Can you just <laughs> We're a metre and a half, yeah. mate. You'll be right. Yeah, we've got that. <laughs> Jesus, I think I'll hang up the phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you guys like, are clean. I like it to disease. <laughs> you guys are clean over there in WA, so yeah. you don't want to be uh, known to bring it over through uh, through the phone. Yeah. Dodgy phone call. <laughs> the other thing, like, so so this sort of leads us into the horsemanship stuff, and you've already mentioned, I guess, you got interested in, in the Jeffries method and then it went to the Pirelli method. Uh, natural horsemanship, I guess when I first met you, you were, you were going down the John Lyons line as well. Absolutely, yeah. Is, yeah. It, is we, there any we, others that... You know, like what is it? Have you just taken a bit from everybody, or is there one particular? Like right now, are you, is there a, a horseman pretty, that you that you're following that you that you're trying to? Um, I, I pretty much, as you said, Dan, I, I got onto John Lyons. It's a funny situation there. A friend of ours had a bunch of his videos back in those days. He wasn't over keen on what the bloke was advocating, and um, he was more of a, a P and H gentleman. And he asked if I wanted them. So at that time, I was just like a big wet sponge. I couldn't get enough of that type of stuff. And watched John Lyons' videos extensively and absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, loved the basic uh, genuineness of what he um, basically was putting out there and uh, took a bunch of his stuff on board. Um, watched blokes like Bob Loomis and uh, Craig Johnson videos um, to sort of better myself down that training aspect. Um, and then Paul Hansmer, uh, uh, Matt Gaines, those are the sort of videos, DVDs that I've been watching probably for the last 10 years. And again, to sort of get better at the training side of it, you know, develop more timing, more feel, and, and understand it um, from those guys' point of view of that type of training. Uh, and it's been quite beneficial for me in, in that respect. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate enough, I guess, I'd, I see it from the horse's point of view, and then um, I can sort of put it out there in the training context from those gentlemen that have basically gone over, and um, it's been really good for me in, in that respect, and just put it all together for myself. Um, yeah, it's been very beneficial in that respect. Mm. Yeah, well, I remember doing the, the work experience and, and you know, being, um, I guess, there doing an apprenticeship, and the John Lyons videos but particularly were the ones you were watching at that time, and we would come home like, um, your schedule was like you would take the kids to school or, or do all that sort of stuff. Uh, Steffi was working in town and, and then you would go out chewing horses, you know, roughly until lunchtime, come home um, for lunch and then we would we would ride and then, of course, get the kids from school and then ride some more. But um, you'd put those videos on, the John Lyons symposium videos on and, um, and eat lunch and, of course, Inevitably, you could uh, fall asleep at the drop of a hat, which I'll have to tell some other stories about um, if we get an opportunity about so him he, sleeping. Did he teach you that or you had that naturally, Steers? No, I certainly didn't have that. Not during the day. I was I was pumped. I just, All I wanted to do was get out to the horses with Pete. I wanted to get out there. And so I'd be watching this yep. video, but I'd also be like weirdly staring at Pete, like almost trying to will him okay, awake. It's getting creepy now. No, yeah, but I was willing him awake. I wasn't like watching him sleep. I was just like, if I'd stare at him, he'll wake up and then we'll get... <laughs> 
still <laughs> creepy. <laughs> no, still <laughs> creepy. I remember Dan telling me this too. Yeah, and then but then I'd be watching yeah. the video, so I was still absorbing a lot of stuff. And yeah. so, funnily enough, so I've got to spend a bit of time with John, and then lots of time with Josh, his son. And I remember watching one of those videos. John Lyons talks about the Twitch, and he mm. said he says it's um he his his son's birthday, and which is Josh, and he read this magazine talking about a Twitch saying that. It releases endorphins, and that's why a horse stands the still. The nasal twitch. Yeah, yep. sorry, yeah, yep. the nasal twitch. And so, you know, when you squeeze that nose, it sends the endorphins rushing to the brain, and he's so loving the, the twitch that, he's, that he stands still. And so John thought, wow, that's interesting, radio, and it was his getting close to his sons. I think it was his, in the in the video, it was like 14 or 15 or 16 or something like that. It's his birthday, and he thought, what could I give my son for his birthday? I know, I read that article. So he tells in this video that he's, Got, got his pliers, the Leatherman. He leans over and grabs Josh's nose and starts squeezing it with the... Jinkies. Yeah, with the pliers, thinking, well, I want to give him a good time here with his <laughs> endorphins, you know. <laughs> what a good fella. So he's giving him a good old squeeze with it, and he says, I was squeezing it hard enough that his eyes started watering. I thought, oh, he looks like he's had just, a, just about <laughs> as much fun as he could take. <laughs> this is what he's saying on the video. So he releases it, and then he ar- and then he asks him, how did that feel? And Josh asked him, what did he do that for? And he said, well, I was trying to release some endorphins. And he said, well, didn't, didn't, didn't it work? And he said, no, it bloody hurt. And he said, oh, maybe I'm doing it wrong. So he leant over to do it again. And, of course, Josh pulled back and, and took his nose away. So um, John was trying to say, well, you know, I guess that's similar to a horse where you can get away with it once, but when you try to do it again, he's not really rushing for it. If it was really letting off endorphins, he would run up to you in the paddock, be like, twitch me, twitch me, you know, put my twitch on. That's how we sort of – that's how I remember it. So I was really excited to be able to ask Josh this and John. I had them both there. And I'm like, please tell me this story is true because I've heard this story and it's just obviously sunk in. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, you get to know these people and for us we make videos and do things and sometimes whatever, you just you just know these stories might not be 100% accurate. <laughs> so I was, I was poking the bear and he said, well, the story's accurate but maybe not the circumstances. He said it wasn't his birthday. He said he was waiting at a – at a feed store and he was reading this magazine right there and then and he said he he did do it though he grabbed his nose with the pliers at the feed <laughs> store so i was still happy to hear that the story sort of true and he did yeah. give it a good old squeeze and the rest of it is true it just wasn't his birthday and it wasn't at the breakfast table or whatever he'd said it must have been small enough he didn't snot him well i mean john john's he's a bit of a lad too yeah it, I'll tell you another little story that Pete probably wouldn't imagine that he could that he could say, and I hope John doesn't mind me saying it. But um, he he was he someone cut him off in traffic, and he had the horse trailer on, and um, and this is a good Christian man, by the way. <laughs> He's got the horse trailer and the the pickup, and someone's cut him cut him off on uh, a road or whatever, and and then started flipping the bird to to old John in the truck. And then John's he, fired up with some Pete Weber language. Well, then he's got he's got his, <laughs> he's got his son riding shotgun with him, and um, the guys pulled over, like signal to him, let's pull over. So they pull over, and uh, anyway, John steps out of the truck, and he sees this guy step out of his vehicle, and he's 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 a pretty big fellow apparently. So John walked straight up to him and just snotted him. Didn't even say. <laughs> oh. Did not say he was telling me this story. Did not say a word because he's just like I got to get the first blow in. Yeah, lays this guy out, walks back to the truck, hops in and indicates and pulls out in the traffic and drives on off. And his son's just like left gobsmacked. But he, he yeah, he told me this is being that. And I think the guy was like up along their window and pulling the bird and doing all sorts of stuff. So I dare say he might have deserved it. But that's also the America's most trusted 
horse trainer as well. Yeah, so, nice. but um, but so yeah, I don't know if old Josh wanted to probably stand up to him is the moral of that story. But um, that, yeah, that that was one of the ones I remember you were following a fair bit at the time. Was yeah. was that Josh yeah. that Josh dealing? And going on to that yep. work experience, and I, I mentioned this to to um, Kim at the start before we got you online, was um, that I guess for myself, and I don't know if I've told you this, uh, Pete, but uh, when when I did my work experience with you, I remember like you know all the adults that I had around me at that point were you know school teachers, parents, uncles, aunties, you know coaches, and I was like meeting Pete Weber. I was like, this is the coolest funniest adult that i'd ever met you know i was just like gobsmacked and i wouldn't have told you at the time but i was like this guy's like really funny he just has so many one-liners getting around town i mean he's he's just i'm laughing the whole time we're shooing horses with with pete but not to bring pete down but seriously had uncles and aunts and yeah boring. footy trainers that are all just yeah they were they were at the time boring. they were Absolutely, I'm not. I'm not. Man, I'm not afraid of throwing them. No wonder the bus. you were looking at breaking out. <laughs> None of them were. They weren't. You, you yourself. I know you do a bit of coaching, Kim. They weren't like that. But at the time, what I feel was really funny, and I also mentioned this to Kim Hagen, is that I reckon when when I was with you, Pete, you might have only been about like what 35, 36. Yeah, yeah, around that. Yeah, which is the same age that I am now, and I don't think that I'm. An adult or an old adult, at least. No, I don't. You're not. So that's what, what. You're trying to look like Gandalf, but you are yeah, not an I'm adult. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not an act like one. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and so it doesn't make sense because I just, I mean, and what it does, it reminds me that when I have, you know, 15, 16 year old, you know, working students come here, I just think to myself, they must think I'm an old adult like Pete Weber. So I better be funny so that they at least, at least remember me for that. And a lot of the sayings that, that you had, Pete, um, I, I don't know if I can repeat all of them, but you had a lot that you would say, you know, I said, you know, when, when a horse was like looking about or whatever, you'd say like, he, he's a sticky beak, you'd say he's a, what was it? It was Esme. He was, yep. he's, yeah, like Esme Watson. Yeah. With a set of lace yeah. curtains. You said he was like yeah, Esme like Watson with yeah. a set of lace curtains. But I, I, I don't know if I should beat this out. Kim, you tell me. This is one that got me into trouble when I went back to school. Oh, he I know, know when you're going with this. Yeah, Pete, <laughs> no, you don't beat this out. This he, sounds gold. He, he does remember this. Is, so Peter also had this other one. And oh, uh, I don't know man. if I, I'll, I'll say it and then we'll figure out whether I edit it or not later so that the listeners won't know one way or another, I guess. They'll know if it's in. But uh, I, was in, I was in science class. And I had um, done something wrong, and I can't remember what that was. But the, the the teacher told me to go to the deputy's office because I was in trouble. And uh, on the way out the door, without even thinking, I said one of Pete's favourite sayings, and it is: "If it was raining fannies, I'd get hit by an asshole." <laughs> in the class, I said that out loud. Well, the whole class erupted. I mean. <laughs> They were cheering my name when I left the, and I was just like, actually, I thought to myself, that is worse than what I got into trouble for in the first place. Yeah. Which I was so worried about then going to the deputy's <laughs> office that it was like close to the end of period. So I just like walked around the school pretending I was like going to the toilet or something. I didn't go to the deputy's <laughs> office. And then I went back to class and then the next day I would have had science again and I was very sheepish walking back into the science room and when I got back into the science room I thought this teacher's going to know that I didn't go to the deputy's office I didn't do that nothing ever was said nothing. again 
nothing. And I thought, now I realise. She I, probably thought the same of the deputy that you did. I could, I could, no, I just cracked the system because I always thought that when you got sent to an office, that they straight away got on the phone and told them what you did wrong. Not in our age group. No, they didn't because what happens is you go there and they would always say to you, what did you do wrong? And you always thought, well, honesty is the best policy at this point. Yeah, no. Because, no, they never knew. They never even knew you were supposed to go there. So I actually I Sir, figured out. You just this. said you've had a tough day and needed somebody to help carry oh, I papers. Didn't, I didn't even go. I was yeah. just like, this is a, this is how. <laughs> and I don't know if it's like you said in our day. I don't know if it's different now. Any young listeners? I'm not saying I'm not recommending to do this, but I'm also saying maybe try it. Back in your day, it would have been on the two way, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there was, wouldn't have been a phone call involved. Was, might not have been if a mobile there was, phone. There would have been somebody. There would have been hello operator. Yeah, deputy, please. <laughs> I'll plug you in. Thanks, Esme. mate. <laughs> I got a feeling you even your uh, uh, teacher was having a bit of a chuckle too. Just for oh, that's exactly what I thought when I once I'd sort of grown up a little bit. Imagine what the teacher would have thought with yeah, having uh, that one line and just be spat out. Just the, yeah, 15, 16-year-old young fella walked out the door saying that. Yeah, <laughs> leave your little speechless with a big chuckle underneath. <laughs> so that was a bit of Pete Webber influence on me. The The yep. other thing that I told I told Kim about um, Pete, the when I did work experience with you, you you had to fill out a card, um, like a report card, and 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 you, you you gave me some really positive and nice feedback just just to let Kim know, so I wasn't making this up. What what sort of kid was I to teach? Like, what do you remember? Before about- you start, Pete, you were the last one to give the good report, so you know might as well <laughs> might as well make it good. So yeah, what sort of what sort of what sort of student was I? Well, you're uh, pretty enthusiastic, had a lot of desire, and uh, um, you just virtually like a wet sponge. You really wanted to to learn that about horses and stuff. You were very, very, very channel, very focused, and um, had a pretty good sense of humour and all. So, um, and and the fact that you 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 did have some uh, some real work out to get there in the sense that you wanted to just get in there and really have a go at it. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Dan told you his nickname at the time when, we were, when he was with us, but... Um, Please tell. He was at... He, <laughs> you'll get a chance there to this one out, but we'd, we'd sort of knock off the horses and head up to the homestead and that, because where we were in uh, Boyne up there, the homestead was sort of about half a K to a K, I guess, would that be about right down away from it? Yeah. The house, and um, so we'd sort of head back up there and, and be getting ready to have, you know, have a wash and have dinner and all. And Dan would say, Oh, you know, I'll be up there in a minute, Pete and Steph, and bloody hour or so I'd go by. And so I'd trundle on back down there. And at that particular time, he got a little mare that we'd sold him Susie, and um, he was probably the closest thing to a girlfriend he had for a while. So <laughs> he, he wouldn't do interested in girls. He just wanted to be around his horse, and he was just constantly fluffing around with her and stuff. So Dirty bastard. We nicknamed him. <laughs> we nicknamed him Fluffy. He's <laughs> <laughs> called Fluffy so, for a long time. What a coincidence! Yeah, we call him Fluffy too. <laughs> <laughs> but it was more from fluffing around. They'd say, "What are you doing down there?" And I'd be brushing her yeah. mane, and I'd, yeah, you know, just, I Groomer. almost brushed her mane out. To be honest, I brushed it that fluffy. much; there wasn't much left of it. <laughs> now I've never seen a horse so bloody clean. She was just brushed to perfection. Don't worry, that's changed <laughs> too. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is actually for that's sure. why he employs people now to clean his horses for him. Yeah, well, then, I might yeah, need to sack them because they're not all that clean. 
Yeah, he did a damn good job on Susie. That's the flip. Yeah, I used to, but I got that from yeah. you, Pete. I got that from you. You used to keep all your horses immaculate, and and um, and then you know that that was I was just trying to be my at that time. Pete Weber was gospel, and I I was a mini Pete, and so whatever <laughs> Pete did, I did, and and that was certainly one of them, which was the the grooming aspect. So I'm going to talk about this the horse that, that I'm thinking of it in a moment. But before we get there, Kim's dying to know. Have you got any any dirt that you can shell yeah, on what come Dan on, bring it on. was like? Come on, on. fluffy stories. Well, any any more dirt on Dan? Yeah. yeah. Oh Jesus. Um, God, I'm not too bloody sure. I well, I. I I do remember one time we were out at um, uh, this place. Uh, we were working cattle with our horses and stuff, and there was a, a, a pretty large um, beehive in a tree there. <laughs> We'd already had a couple people stung, and then the damn thing ended up stinging the little horse I was working on the end of the snout. So I thought, oh, probably wasn't the smartest. And now I look at it, and I thought, I'm going to fix these guns and guns. And so we set fire to the tree, uh, burn the hell out of these bloody things. And Dan... I tell you, I don't think uh, Usain Bolt could have beat him. He just lit off down the road, Jack on and Curry, and the whole joint was going to go up, <laughs> get the fire brigade, get the fire brigade. <laughs> I mean, the tree went up pretty good, but Jesus, um, I tell you, I didn't think he'd run that bloody fire. It really moved. Once again, <laughs> he hasn't since. <laughs> That's actually a good point. <laughs> That is, a, that, yeah. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, I was very. It was. It was dry. It wasn't the right time it, to it be was. lighting a fire in a tree, yeah, and was, there was grass was fires. Good. So I'm picturing that it's not the only tree in the place. No, no. This was, and yep. there was long grass, no, and yeah, around there. As I say, in hindsight, it probably wasn't the smartest thing that had done in life. But um, by Jesus, it was funny watching him run down that road, Jack on a and I hadn't seen that happen for a long time. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, like uh, like Kim said, that might be the last time I ever did run. You scared, <laughs> you, you frightened me out of it. You know, athlete, that's for sure. Yeah. So, so, well, I'm not going to push any more stories out of him if if that's all he's no. got. <laughs> Courage and speed. Do you remember? Do you remember me getting that eyebrow ring? Oh, oh no! Come on, he was really. <laughs> From what point of view? Well, why did you get an eyebrow ring? Poor bugger though, I mean, he got the eyebrow ring in there and it must have hurt like Billy because he come out with looking like one eyed Jack squinting. And he, it just constantly kept getting knocked on him and all. So, what has it been? A couple of months and he finally decided to offload it. So, he didn't, pull it. Like Billy. he didn't pull it out yeah. for him? No, I didn't. No, no, no. <laughs> I think he would have run faster than the day and set the fire. What a disgrace. <laughs> I remember, well, I had a couple of problems with it. It was, uh, the first thing about it, it was stupid, for one, and I regret it. Spot on. But the the, the (laughs) second one was I I didn't go, you know, Pete didn't discourage it, and we're in town, and and there was a a place there that was like tattoos and piercings. I go in there, and there's this big bikey dude, you know, that, (laughs) that should have been the first warning that I shouldn't have proceeded, but I've told this guy I wanted this. Eyebrow ring. He's like, yeah, yeah, no worries. It's like a lunchtime on a Thursday or something. <laughs> he, he, you know, you pick pick your eyebrow ring, and then he gets this. It just looks like just the big thick rod of steel that he's gonna <laughs> clamp you. And I remember people telling me that the clamp is what hurts the most. So they they pull your eyebrow out. And it's clamped, and when the clamp went on, I was like, oh, that's not too bad. That's okay. And then he starts 
just working back and forth this rod. And I'm like, no, 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 the clamp's not the part that hurts the most. I can tell you that right now. And he shoves this thing through. Then they put the ring through and he says to me, he says, uh, are you a bleeder? I was just like, I was a stunner. I'm like, oh, no. And he goes, well, he said, he goes, do you bleed a lot? And I said, well, not normally. He's like, well, you're bleeding a lot now. That's all I remember him saying. So this thing just pissed blood. And then I was like, then it got like half infected and I was always sore. And I used to, when when you were talking about your kids, you mentioned your firstborn, Chloe. And we were, I even remember we were wrestling around one day and she'd like slap me on the head and she'd slap this thing out of my, like loose and it fell out and we had to put it back through. It was so painful, so painful. When we put it through and I was, I was sleeping, I was at Webb's place and I had a caravan there. And one morning I woke up and the thing was out and I was like, I'm not putting that thing back in again. And that was the best decision I'd ever made in my life. Mm-hmm. Apart from meet, meeting Peer and, you know, having kids and all that. <laughs> so it's right up there with that. We'll tell you what it <laughs> it's is. It's right up there. <laughs> it is right up there with best decisions. <laughs> it is right up there. Never putting that yeah. thing in again. So there, there's another Dan Steers story for the listeners that can just – they can just enjoy, but we're going to go back to the fluffiness. And you mentioned about horses and and, and uh, Susie, Megi. I wanted to talk about Megi because this is a paint mare that Pete had, and he had done all this natural horsemanship. And just to give the listeners a little bit of, I guess, an insight on, on what sort of quality we're talking about, he could ride this horse bareback and bridle. And she was only about three when I got there. I think he sold her when she was four. So we're talking about three. He would ride her out in the bush, bareback, bridleless, jump you know fallen trees go any speed that he wanted to go no neck strap nothing like that no stick he didn't even yeah, have a that's stick. not bridleless when you got a neck strap no not bri- he's full bone bridleless and he any speed that he wants. and i watched him and i'm i'm going this this is what i want this whatever he's doing i mean he was give a lesson pete would give a lesson and this little what he was talking about where the homestead was about a k k and a half away and he had this little um sort of 10 acre sort of developed you know horse place Meggy used to get let out and she could roam around, you know, pick the fresh grass type thing. And he'd be given a lesson and he had his float. His float might not have been hitched up to a car, but it was always open. And she would come and humbug. That was another word Pete you like to use, like annoy everybody, right? And Pete would just say, Meggy, go load up. And he would just tap his leg with his hand. And she'd just turn around, didn't matter how far away she was, and she'd just trot and go and put herself on the float. <laughs> and she would stay on the float and he'd give this lesson. And she might like you know, move a foot or something like she's threatening to back out and he'd just say, Maggie, and she'd be like quiet again, right? From a distance, didn't matter how far away he was. This is a sort of, yeah, yeah, like sort of stuff that we're talking about with Pete Webber horse. Shame they didn't have YouTube back then, Pete. You'd be a dead set. (laughs) You would have gone viral. Yeah, absolutely right. So there's another story that I wanted to put on here that we where this uh, property was, it was um, owned, I think, or at least, next to a a mine and they were were mining sand there and they had like scrapers and graders and rollers and water cart and everything else going along the back of this property all the time and where pete leased this facility from the rest of the farm ran cattle and one of the cows had gotten out onto the mine strip and one of the mine guys came out in like a toyota and they turned up to the to the stables and they said hey do you own these cattle and pete's like oh they're not mine but they're such and such he said well one of them's out on the strip and and we're afraid one of these scrapers or something's going to hit it and kill this cow we don't know what to do and so old webb goes and gets old Meggy. he takes the rug off her jumps on a bareback and bridleless and goes and rides out there like he thinks (laughs) he's in such a rush he forgets to put on a 
bridle or a saddle or anything like that. He jumps on it, but he but he does take the rug off at least. And she's a paint. I've left the rug on. She's a pa- Palomino, <laughs> Palomino paint. You know, it was always she never had a grass stain on her. She was spotless. And he goes and wheels out on this on this uh, mine mine strip. He gets this cow. I'm on the road to turn her back into the property. Uh, goes into the paddock and just for shits and giggles, he goes and starts lapping this thing around figure eight like at a gallop, bareback and bridleless. He's, she's never camp drafted before. <laughs> he starts floating this thing around, changing leads, and I'm just like draw dropped. Watching Pete and this horse just going. Let's go. I want to be this guy one day. And and this this Megi for me is what probably I guess, you know, brought out the horsemanship in me. Yeah, because well. Susie, who he talked about before, I wanted to be that Megi. What do you remember about Megi Webb? Did I did yeah, I this, listen, did I embellish that story? Because that's how I remember it. Yeah, it, it's pretty pretty much yeah, right on it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> that's how good this guy is. <laughs> yeah, I know. You got a better man than this old local man to the phone, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, no, we just uh, she's just a lovely little man. Uh, uh, pretty much at that particular time, with his wife and I as well, she sort of had a little cult that was um, breeding the same sort of lines, and we just decided to see how far you could delve into a horse's mind. And I took Maggie to where basically Dan was speaking about, and, and Steph could literally stand in a paddock with this little cold. I mean, he was probably only have been about 18 months old. We hadn't broken in yet as such, but she'd done a lot of liberty work. She'd just sit out there and he'd cast out and do a 20-foot circle around her in both directions and whatever time at her she wanted. And It's just where we could take it um, in that those few years that we were there and, and you know, fortunate for Dan to come along and he'd sort of seen all that and he, he was just totally taken by it and um, just put as much as he could into that he could absorb and learn with Susie and, and kept going with that and I mean um, she's gone on to be a, a fantastic old man, good little drafter and she's bred some phenomenal horses for you hasn't she mate she's oh, been, been the best broodmare for I, me I, I, I've, I've honestly never seen uh, anybody that loyal and that's genuine to a horse I mean you know it's a, a pretty admirable quality for Dan that um, she literally bred all these good horses and he's had stuck by her and I wouldn't say she had the greatest set of front legs ever on her and uh, never bred it on and never faulted for her she's just just was a little, little champion for, for Dan and they, they went a, a long way a long way. That stallion you were talking about what, what was his name? Crackerjack wasn't it? Yes it was yeah he so this, was by an old yeah. one this paint yeah. stallion that they're talking about, paint cult at the time, and this is probably why I've got a, a thing against paint sometimes. <laughs> so, so I first should say, like the, the worst thing about this, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to step back from that story. I'll get to it in a minute. But so I wanted to be Pete so much. We talk about Susie, and he helped me do the groundwork to break her in. And, and when it was time to sort of, she was two year old because I got her as a weanling, and then by the time she was two year old, ready to ride, I was, I was at Dad's place there, and it was a. Uh, he he was managing this camp morning turn anyway. It had this forest in it, and it was her second ride. And I decided I was going to be Pete Weber, and I took the bridle off and rode this mare home through the forest. No bridle. She'd only been ridden once in a round yard. First time ever out. Yeah, why not? And this mare just like carted me back. <laughs> Like I did on the way home even. And she just carted me back at a walk through the forest. That's how nice this mare was to me. She gave me a false sense of security. I thought <laughs> she, I thought I was God's gift to horses. And then later I found I wasn't so much because <laughs> I've got a couple of stories about paints. I ended up buying 
What was the fella from Collie? What was his name? You know the brittle. Oh, those? Don Smith. Don yeah. Smith. So a bought yeah. a border paint mare and she had a fall. And Don was pretty sick. We went and visited him in hospital and he said, Look, you can have this mare for whatever the price was. I think it was like a thousand bucks and you could have a foal. But if it's a um coloured foal, you gotta give me some money and, and if it's a, a solid foal, no money or something like that. And it was a solid foal. And I took this mare and foal and ended up I was it had been ridden, he said it had been ridden. But, you know, to what extent, I don't know. But I did the same stuff with her. I just decided, well, I'll just jump yeah. on her with bareback and braless. Well, yeah, tell why you, not? Tell you what, she must have – this must have been the first time I was knocked out, but I don't remember <laughs> being knocked out because <laughs> I, this was when I was at um, the Hookham's place, which you would know, Pete. I was staying there and yeah. I had these horses – and I had her in a little paddock near the house there with the foal. And uh, anyway, I, I, I jumped on her with nothing on. And all I remember I, – I do remember I got up from the ground – I don't remember how it got there. And it, was, it was a sandy place. And I had sand everywhere. And if you remember, Pete, I used to think I was a bit of a surfer, you know. So I used to go surfing <laughs> yeah. and whatnot. And I was very dazed and confused. And I got back up to the house and even those guys said, Are you all right? Is there anything wrong? And I was like, no, no, I just, just need to have a shower. Just, you know, a bit. I just didn't know what had gone on. Been for a surf. So I went into the shower, I went and had a shower, and when I took all my clothes off, there was sand all through my clothes, like in my jocks. And at the time, I was like, well, that's no big deal, because when you go surfing, you, you get dumped in a wave, you get sand everywhere, in every orifice. <laughs> and so I had sand in every orifice, but I never went to the beach. <laughs> and in hindsight, as an adult, I was like, that man must have threw the shit out of me. <laughs> and, and taught me some lessons about how... Shame you don't remember them. Yes, I know. Shame with I do remember hopping on. I do remember another time hopping on a bareback and bridleless, and she ran and ran, and she and and the hookums there. They had these uh, in that small paddock. They had like yeah, four, right four, three or four stables with uh, walk in, walk out that went out to this paddock, and the gates were open, and she would run into the stable, run out into the paddock, run, and I was just riding her the whole time, but not, no steering. And she ran in at one point, and I thought I, I want to get off, and I grabbed the rafters. And just let let the horse run out of there. Like she was just she was wild as wild. And anyway, so that was that was one part of that. But then the other part was that crackerjack you're talking about. Later on I get back from from doing a stint at Corey Holden's. And at that point you were uh, Pete Weber and, and, and Steph, his wife and, and the kids and these horses were living at uh, Piers dad's place. Yep. And Darden up in Tortonvale. And for some reason I was riding I was riding by myself, her stallion, at, at um, Kent's place, or at least I'd gone over there. I must have snuck a visit in to, to see Pierre or something. And uh, and I was coming back, and I was like, oh, I'm going to take the bridle off and ride him home bridleless. And I'm riding him down that um, no time like the present. fire break, <laughs> and, and we're cantering. And that's okay, because I'd asked to canter. Like we, he was going good. And then we started cantering, and he started getting a little quicker, a little quicker. <laughs> I had a saddle on. I didn't have a bridle on. And I, I, I couldn't. <laughs> I could, I could not I could not slow him down. He was going past the speed that I could slow him down. And I was just hanging on. And then we come up and there was a low-lying branch. And I'm, I was pretty flexible at that point in my age, but not that flexible. And this thing collected me. And again, I hit the ground. And I don't know if I was knocked out or not, but when I got up, he was nowhere to be seen. He was no longer there. And I ran and ran because you'd go down this fire break, then you'd have to take a a, a really hard right angle bend to the left, and then there was a a, a very ordinary like it's a, a bridge, very ordinary, uh, and then there was a highway, and just before the highway there was a left into a paddock 
that the gate is what I rode through was open. But I was thinking if he doesn't go that left, he's out on the road. So I am running back, running back. And luckily when I, by the time I got back to the house, which I don't know how far that would have been. So uh, this is the second time you've run in your life? Yeah, that's actually <laughs> true. That would have been the very last time I sprinted, actually. So the fire was one. <laughs> did this you is start two? off at top speed or did you just hit the, you know, I was I'm going to be here for a while? I was top speed. It was about the fittest I've probably ever been. And I got I got back there and I think Chloe was back there and the horse was back there and I was like, what happened, what happened? And, you know, I came clean what happened. But uh, <laughs> I was more relieved than anything. I wasn't so worried about myself. I just imagined what Steffi would have done to me if that horse would have ran out on the highway is what I was <laughs> <laughs> is what I was more oh, nervous worry. about. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. that that gets gives a bit of insight into, I guess, um, my horsemanship level at the time. <laughs> and you sold me Susie Q, and you did mention her. So, um, being a broodmare for me. So we're talking about 007, Tiger Lily, Pleasure Seeker. Um, Sophie has worked for us for eight years. Has got a mare, Demi. Um, I've got two. I've got others here. That um, that haven't debuted, but she like I think I've, I did the push up challenge on Susie and another horse. Remember, I came around. There was this push up challenge for veterans. Yeah, but it would have been 007. Susie's never been over here. Oh, okay. She's always stayed in WA, but pretty much I think I've ever sold two. She had a foal by that Cracker Jack, and I sold that foal. And then Pete bought a foal of her as well, and they're the only two I've ever sold, other yeah, okay. than Safe. Safe's got one, I should say, and everything else I kept. I've I've just mm. hoard, hoarded them all because they've been really good horses. But the the question that I was going to get to Pete is if you remember I had two other horses that before Susie so Pete decided I needed a new horse because I brought over once when I did the work experience I bought a little stock horse mare that I was was um, loaned to me but wasn't mine and she was very much cooked and Pete was going to help me with her and the time um, we even tried to start on her she was so old she was buggered and then I had another horse there a big chestnut gelding of of dad's there, Pete. I can't remember what his name was. Yeah, I remember that whiskey. Whiskey, you're good, Pete. Your memory's not as bad as you reckon. So whiskey, <laughs> and I remember he hasn't sitting, been coat hanged as many times as what? you, maybe. Well, I tell you, yeah, this was here's a big. He was like sixteen hands, quarter uh, thoroughbred, and and you don't even probably know this. Pete, because I was, I was, we used to like they were big in the horsemanship, and so you know, sitting on horses on their bum or backwards or whatever. And I was sitting on it. Pete was giving a lesson or doing something or riding, and I was sitting on the bum of this horse at in Pete's round yard. And well, he he humped up and he double barreled out, and I was facing the other way, so I must have been backwards. <laughs> And he kicked out and both his hind feet collected my back feet, my back feet, <laughs> my only feet, my shoes. Yeah. And he catapulted me like flying through the air. Like he just hit my soles and my shoes. He just sent me Superman up in the air. <laughs> and that's that's the sort of type of horse he was. He wasn't all that reliable. No, he was pretty honorary, wasn't he? <laughs> and old Pete, Pete had the conversation to my dad at the time saying – we might need to find him a new horse. <laughs> and Dad wasn't at all welcoming or warm to the idea, was he? Pat? No, not, not entirely, no. <laughs> not entirely. And because, I mean, again, I was very naive. What do you? What's your recollection of those horses? Did you just think, what What were you thinking? I want to know. Like, that was something that when I wrote these questions down, like, if, if somebody brought me those types of horses now and a kid – that was as green as what I was <laughs> and brought brought them to me, I would have a lot of ideas of thinking this isn't suitable, what am I going to do? Take the bridle off. Yeah, what, we, yeah, what, what were you thinking? Were you, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, do, do you guys well, like this kid? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, um, pretty much that along that lines of what 
we decided to W Susie in that sense. Your first two um, horses were, I mean, you, you wanted to have a good start out in this stuff, and probably those two individuals were certainly not suitable for that. Um, and, and as I say, the, one particular horse was pretty cooked, and the other fella, his demeanour was pretty tough and uh, pretty raw, and it'd take a fairly decent um, horse, horseman to get inside that old timer's head, you know, and it probably. At that time, it was, it was just a little too unfair on, on, on you. With, with so much desire that you had then, we, we thought, yeah, no, this is just not suitable. It, you just, realistically, it, you'd either get hurt or you'd just squash your desire. That was probably more what I was concerned about. I didn't want your desire squashed. And, um, uh, yeah, why we went down the road to, to put you on Susie in that respect. Well, I, yeah. sure, I certainly appreciate it. And you did look after me um, with with... <laughs> with selling me Susie and helping me out um, I remember the deal basically was whatever she owed you I paid so you, yeah. you you wanted it you didn't ever want her you were buying another horse and then the guy said oh whatever you know he chucked on an That's extra right. thousand bucks if you buy That's this right. horse for an extra thousand yeah. bucks I'll chuck this one in and you took it and then so yeah. you sold it to me for the extra thousand and I and my dad wouldn't yeah. give me any money so I had to ask my mum That's right you did too and My yeah, mum yeah. of course is not horsey and, and when I said to mum I need to borrow a thousand dollars she said to me she said why do you need to buy a horse horse that's so expensive when i said a thousand dollars she's like that is an expensive horse and you're trying to yeah, tell fresh one back then when you're trying no well it wasn't you're just no. trying to tell you're trying to tell he was shooting horses for bloody 60 80 but well time i was there he'd probably selling for 80 bucks um you know it, was, it wasn't it wasn't a lot of money and so i i, I begged my mum for it and then i got the money and then i had to i did pay back so once I started shoeing horses and doing my own thing, I paid her back. And with with that, funnily enough, his mum's got pretty, I don't know, I'll just say, she's become a bit of a double damn fan. She's not horsey, but she loves what we do. She loves Dan James, loves myself doing what we're doing. The kids appear the lot. And so when when she gets to the show and she knows all these foals that are doing the shows, she always gives a little reminder that she bought Susie for yeah. me. Doesn't it doesn't so much remember me paying her back. I've got to remind her. And she'll be always like, she'll be patting them from a distance. And be like, well, I was just one of Susie's babies, you know, <laughs> like, like she had some sort of, you know, contribution. And not, not saying that she really didn't want me to buy a horse, let alone such an expensive horse. Um, but my mum certainly looked after me and helped me out. And and Susie's been, you know, she's she still is sits at my favourite. So that's going to be a question before we sort of finish things up. We talked about a couple of your horses. What and you've got, you know, more horses now, and and you, you're doing the. We should, you know, probably let the listeners know, and I'm going to share your your Facebook page and let everyone know. I mean, you know, Pete's a, a clinician over there in WA. Uh, he's got lots of his own horses. Well, give me what's your can you an all time favourite horse of yours? If I can throw that out. Um, uh, I'd have to probably say a, a little stallion I had here, um, a little horse called Hobble Chain Jack. Oh no, Are you um, serious? He sits at number one. Yeah. I know that horse. Yeah. <laughs> he sits at yeah, number look, one. I, he beats Meggy and Chester. Are you serious? Yeah, look, I, I, yeah, look, I, I, I did a bunch there with Meggy and, and, and that sort of opened that gateway. But from there with Hobble Chain Jack, we took it to the level of he was a great competing horse. Um, you know, he did well as drafting. I mean, he, he looked after me as a drafter. I mean, I was as bad as handy as a fly by doing a submarine with drafting. So, um, he, he really did a job well there. Where we were with the cattle operation at that time, he was pretty much my go-to horse. I mean, he was only a tiny little bugger, probably about 14, one at the most. Um, and all that bridleless stuff, uh, which we'd done with Maggie and a few others in between, but 
we got to do that on HJ. Uh, I can remember being down on the feedlot here. Uh, he was so damn good at his job to just take that bridle off. We had three and a half thousand head of cattle down here. And we'd just constantly be pulling cattle out of um, yards and processing one thing or another. And that little man was such a good horse at his job. Uh, just take the bridle off, walk in there, and anything duck back on me, he just up, up after it, put it back where it should be. He just, it was the epitome and the pinnacle of where I wanted to kind of go with it. And so he was a good competitive horse, but he was also a great workhorse as well. So that's probably my iconic little horse, and uh, probably the one I kept for the most amount of time too. Seven year old, I think, by the time I finally moved him on. But uh, uh, and unfortunately, we, we had a couple of foals by him, but they were a bit like HJ. They were pretty tough-minded horses, so not ideally to put out there in the horse public world. Uh, they probably a little bit too hard to mind, so. He ended up becoming two stone lighter when we sold him. So. But he was definitely the little fella that hangs in my mind the most. Yeah, I will change that. Dan, Dan probably memories. He wasn't too big, was he, mate? Well, I didn't have a, a whole lot. You had moved to Geraldton at that point, but I did come up and visit. Uh, I guess Meggy was probably definitely my favourite. Yeah, yeah, you would have, yeah, you you would have seen a lot. But, if he, but if then if Chester was, hard, was the other one. Chester if he was, was a bit harder in the mind, I reckon those kind of – but Meggy wasn't just that horses. easy either. Meggy, he he got to the bottom of Meggy, and the things that you learn a lot from, I reckon you you know yeah. it sounds like Pete learned a bit from this horse. Yeah, I and think, with the horse. Yes, and and uh, and that that's it. I just didn't think. I, I don't know who I. I sort of thought it would have probably been between Meggy Chester, but then you can't ask got, somebody their favourite horse and then slag it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then tell them what it should have been. Yeah. It's like an argument well, with my wife. Should have been if the one Pierre, that didn't kill me. If I was me. doing this with Pierre, it would have been the same thing. She'll yeah. ask me a question, but it's there's only one answer. So I've got smart enough to just say, well, what's the answer? Because yeah, it's certainly not the answer that I might be thinking. <laughs> but um, but all right, let's before we wrap up, I've got some quick questions for you. All right. This yep. is, you ready? I'm sort of smirking here because. <laughs> okay, number one, your favourite student of all time. <laughs> <laughs> say anybody. Say anybody Just, else. No, no, no. Be honest here. Who's your favourite student of all time? Oh God! What? I'm, I'm realistically, you, you were mate. Oh, <laughs> thanks, thanks. Pete. I can't tell you the disappointment <laughs> okay, I've got right. right now. That if you said any other name. <laughs> That would have been outstanding. Thank you. I appreciate he, that. He would have just sat here and sniped. Question number two. <laughs> moving on. Question number two. Your, your favourite farrier apprentice of all time? Farrier apprentice. Think deep and hard about this, Pete. This is your second oh, chance, draw. So your far- <laughs> like somebody who's done a somebody who's done a full apprenticeship with you and spent all the time with you. Got to be favorite, lots of them. Uh, who would that be? Oh, well, so I'd many to, to choose from. I can edit this, definitely, remember? Definitely Dan. Oh. I mean, I had a couple of Couple more for Dan, but they 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 parted company. They just didn't have the grit that you kind of need to be a farrier. Uh, they rode yeah. with bridles okay. on and right. stuff. That's okay. So, <laughs> number three, who's your all-time best student in regards to talent? <laughs> oh, oh, I'd have to say um, Amanda. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God, you're finally on song, Pete. <laughs> no, no. Who were you going to really say there, Pete? Just sorry, who was that? <laughs> just was be that? honest. Just be honest. No, it was Oh, okay. All right. So that's number three. Number four, who's your most successful student of all time? 
<laughs> this is just I'm quick questions, mate. Like, no. just, just be quick. This okay, is just quick I'm, questions. I'm taking this another way. I'm really hoping, Pete, that you've had one student in your time. He's got one. Uh, yes, he's got me. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I know it's not true, but I wish you'd just say, yeah, I've had one student. Mm, okay, so so you just say that again. Who's your most successful student of all time? Just quickly. Depends how you rate. Okay, all right, next rate question. Success. Okay, what student are you most proud of teaching? <laughs> <laughs> Again, be honest. Oh, I got to be honest. Oh, geez. Well, there's, there's two. Which there's is two outside your own family. I mean, you can't say family outside your no, own. No, no, but family. there's two. There's, there's there's yourself and Amanda, Amanda Branson. Okay, which is now Amanda Hollis for the listeners. That's so. right, Amanda Hollis. Yeah, yeah. You're both. You're both. Okay, all right, all right. I'll take that one. <laughs> last question. Last question. We won't. We won't carry. So this total setup, you just got doubted, but no, no. Well, I was still in there. If (laughs) I don't even know what I've written here. Uh, If you could ever have shared your knowledge with one student that you've taught in the past, who would it be? So you can only share. So this is what this question is: is surely he did share his knowledge with his students? No, 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 no. But I'm saying that he's only got one person out of all the people he's taught. He's only got one that he can pick to share now. In retrospect, Amanda, who would that be? Come on, come on, Pete. Tell it honestly. Oh, um, that's hard. <laughs> I just can't believe. It. I don't think it's hard, Web. One student. Uh, or, or, yeah, oh, yeah, Pete, you answered on, it right, yeah. brother. Yeah, that was the. Well, there you go. Congratulations. That was the quick quiz. <laughs> <laughs> The first and only one that we've had on the Double Ten podcast, but I just thought it'd be just relevant question. I mean, we might ask those questions to other clinicians. I mean, I don't yeah. think they were all going to say Dan Steers. <laughs> like Pete, Pete, it's sounding a lot like my report card. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amanda's a very Amanda's Amanda a very good was, horse. She woman. was, nah, and she was not only. Um, let's let's yeah, certainly touch on that. So Amanda Branson, Pete helped her, and again, she was not too dissimilar to myself as far as not having a whole lot of horse knowledge uh, prior to meeting Pete, and he would give her lessons once a week, and and she would just, I mean, I was even, I would even come to come uh, some of these lessons, mm. and you know, like she would be doing the same thing. She would turn up the next week, and she'd not only done everything Pete had shown her, but she'd times it by ten. You know, she was riding without a bridle and doing all the same stuff, and uh, and Pete and I was. Uh, the three of us, I guess, had spent a little bit of time together and then she got into the camp drafting before I did and she moved over east before I did and then she, she's met up with Tim since she's been here and, and uh, we get to catch up at camp drafts and things like that. But she's she's an extraordinary horsewoman yep. as well. So definitely got to pay the respects there. But um, but she, she didn't get – I mean, she didn't get all-time favourite student. I mean, if she had her own podcast, possibly. Yeah. She didn't fall into your yeah. set-up questions at all, but nonetheless. Uh, yeah, no. but that was – yes. <laughs> I mean, she was right up there. She was, she was second to I all I could hear those. Pete just thinking of any way of getting out of those answers and just – no, had no, to you fall could, into listen. You could, it wasn't Pete <laughs> that was trying to get out of those questions. It was you, my friend. Mate, he felt a sense of duty. You know, you've put him on the podcast. You know, yeah. very, very. It was, you, it was a good stitch up at yeah, the end. Exactly. I thought you got. Hey, you got to admit, Kim, you're smiling over there. You were thinking that was pretty. <laughs> that was pretty clever by me because you did not suspect that was my quick questions. Was it? <laughs> Didn't come on, tell me now. I've got to let you down. You after after halfway <laughs> through the first question, I was like, right, here we go. Yes, but until I <laughs> when I used the title quick questions, yeah. you didn't think that. Yeah, no. So I gotcha. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, there we go. Well, well Pete Weber, thank you for your time. 
and we'll have to get if you want Kim Hagen really wanted the dirt on me. And if we if we get a chance one day, we'll get Steph Weber yeah. on the podcast. And Largely behind your ears from what uh, now this is, this Pete's is Pete, mum said. Yes, but Pete's yeah. wife, Steph, yeah. would give more dirt on me than probably anyone else in the world. Oh, wow. I reckon. Don't you reckon, Pete? Exceptional. Oh, yeah. She, she, yeah. Or has she tamed <laughs> down a little bit? Has she tamed down? I don't think she would have. No, 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 no. Still the same, yeah. Yeah, so, yes. she, so she wouldn't be diplomatic like Pete's yeah. being on the no, phone. No, no, no. Shoots from the hip. Shoots from the hip, all right. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. There's another yeah. place There's another place she shoots from, isn't there, Webb? Has, <laughs> has that changed? No, not at all, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to, glad to hear that. But, but uh, <laughs> she's going to listen to this and just be mortified, by the way. But uh, in, in, a, in a way, thank you, Pete, for joining us on our podcast. I've, I've mentioned it before, but to the listeners again, and I'm going to share a link to learn more about Pete Weber, get onto Facebook, Pete Weber Horsemanship. Both Pete and Steph are doing a fantastic job of sharing horsemanship and everything that they're doing on their Facebook page. It's regularly updated. I follow it. I like it. I I love, I love seeing what you're up to and all the clinics that you're conducting and, and you sharing your horsemanship. I, I really hope everybody's enjoying it over there in the West. I hope, that, I hope you got some really good students, but they're just not quite as good as Dan Steers in that, uh, in that list of questions that we asked you. But uh, otherwise, it's been a pleasure. Is there any... Last comments from you, Kim. Yeah, no, good on you, Pete. Great to um, chat. A uh, really interesting story and well said. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much, Kim. Th- thanks, thanks very much, guys, for inviting me on there. Much appreciated. And thanks for everything, Dan. All right, you're welcome, Pete. And uh, that's going to conclude episode 14. And uh, we'll be back to the timeline for episode 15, Kim, coming up shortly. Then will be 2013. We're there. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye, fellas. If you like my daddy's podcast, please write, review and subscribe. Share this podcast with your friends.